0: Nature is being lost at an unprecedented rate and action must be taken. I'm Molly Giu.
1: And I'm Sheikha Vautal and this is Pidge Pulse, a podcast from the Private Infrastructure Development Group.
0: Pidge finances innovative infrastructure projects in sub-Saharan Africa and South and Southeast Asia.
1: We're committed to the economic growth of the world's most fragile communities, lifting them out of poverty with a strong focus on sustainability.
0: Today, we find out how and why we need to take action to halt and reverse nature loss as we continue to deliver much needed infrastructure to communities.
1: The world is facing a biodiversity crisis. It may not get the same amount of airtime as the climate crisis, but the two are closely interlinked, both just as concerning for the future of our planet and people.
0: It's now no longer enough to simply do no harm. We have to raise the bar and make sure infrastructure projects actively improve the natural environment.
1: To find out how we do that, we're joined by Cameron Bain, Health, Safety, Environment and Social Director, and Cheryl Ng, HSCS Regional Manager and Group Biodiversity Lead at Pidge.
0: Cameron, Cheryl, welcome. Cameron, to set up the importance of this shift, can you first tell us why it's important to consider biodiversity and nature when investing and developing sustainable infrastructure in the regions that Pidge operates in?
2: By 2030, it is expected that we will double the amount of infrastructure on the earth that we have now. New infrastructure development is a key contributor to biodiversity loss and ecosystem damage. We must therefore consider these biodiversity and nature issues when designing and developing new infrastructure, i.e. we must have nature-based solutions in our design and thinking. Nature-based solutions, also known as NBS, MBS is a relatively new phrase, but not a new concept. For centuries, people have been, for example, planting trees to control erosion. Now, the idea of working with nature systems is increasingly taking centre stage in the climate change adaptation approaches. Climate mitigation and adaptation cannot be achieved without consideration for nature. By considering nature protection and enhancement strategies, while maximizing nature's contribution to climate change mitigation and adaptation actions, can we truly achieve sustainable infrastructure? Just to bring to life what I have covered, imagine we have a coastal road development project. It can lead to negative impacts on nature as a result of mangrove forest loss. The project can also be dependent on these mangrove areas as they provide an important function by reducing the road's exposure to floods and erosion, particularly during storm events, which we can only see as expecting to worsen with climate change. Mangrove protection and restoration can also contribute to creating livelihoods, for example, in sustainable aquaculture. In cases like this, it just makes a lot of sense to build together with nature rather than against it.
3: Thanks, Cameron. Cheryl, can you shed some light on what's happening in the global space? Yes, certainly. It is a really exciting time as the world gears up to adopt the post-2020 global biodiversity framework at COP15. This will see governments around the world agree on a landmark agreement with a new set of goals for nature, viewed as the equivalent to the Paris Climate Agreement. These global goals and associated targets are expected to have direct consequences on business and finance operations. The Task Force for Nature-Related Financial Disclosures Frameworks are also known as TNFD. It's equivalent to the Climate Disclosure Framework TCFD. This will be officially released next year, And then we'll begin as a voluntary mechanism to, you know, transparently disclose on an organization's nature-related risk and opportunities. Many businesses are pushing for mandatory nature-related disclosures to be included in the final agreement at COP15, which will be a really positive step forward for businesses, you know, in terms of things like fair competition, accountability, and also encouraging just positive business practices. So the next few years is looking to be very interesting. And we at Pidge are closely following developments in the global space. So yes, watch this space.
0: Now, both of you have touched on the topic of nature-related risk and opportunities. With the majority of the world's remaining intact ecosystems found in the regions where Pidge invests and operates, how do we make sure we leave nature in a better position as we move beyond this do-no-harm approach?
2: At Pidge, we recognize to meet our values and be able to deliver on responsible investing and development we must ensure that strong environmental governance runs through the organization and is at the heart of our operations good risk management in line with international practices including the ifc performance standards is what page is committed to doing but we need to go beyond just no harm thinking expanding our understanding about the values of nature-based solutions and its use in infrastructure is at the top of Pidge's agenda. MBS are not a silver bullet and do not operate in a vacuum. It is important not to oversimplify nature-based solutions or be unrealistic about their impacts. Nature-based solutions are not a substitute for rapid decarbonisation it should be viewed as one of the many tools in our sustainability and climate agenda.
3: Building on what Cameron has shared, we have started on a journey to account for both how a business impacts nature, positively or negatively, and also depends upon it. This will ensure we are properly accounting for risks within the portfolio and also directing actions that will derive the most value to nature. The next question then is, how do we measure how much action is enough for pitch to help turn the tide on nature loss? This is where science-based targets for nature come in. Based on the globally agreed nature goals and targets that will soon be released as part of the post-2020 global biodiversity framework, science-based targets will help to turn these global goals into something meaningful and proportionate for pitch. Science-based targets are going to be the challenging bit, actually, to define as nature is complex and hard to measure. So we are closely following developments in this space so that we truly are investing in developing in sustainable infrastructure, helping to keep our activities within a safe operating space for humanity. And finally, what are we referring to when we speak about taking action? As Cameron has mentioned, we need to start thinking about actions that create joint biodiversity and climate benefits for the good of human well-being as termed as nature-based solutions, as these are all intrinsically interlinked. We have started on this journey on considering how we can embed such new thinking approaches more strategically within pitch. it it's really exciting times and we hope to share more exciting updates as we keep pace with the developments in the global space.
1: We mentioned about the joint nature and climate crises. How can this focus on protecting and restoring nature help to mitigate the negative impacts of climate change and vice
3: versa? It is now widely recognised that climate change and nature are interconnected. We must solve both crises together or solve neither. Biodiversity changes can affect the local climate and climate change can affect biodiversity. The devastation of forests, peatlands, mangroves and other ecosystems has decimated wildlife populations and released huge amounts of carbon dioxide. Rising temperatures and extreme weather are in turn increasingly damaging biodiversity. But biodiversity through the ecosystem services it supports can help to address climate change mitigation and adaptation. Consequently, conserving and sustainably managing biodiversity is critical to addressing climate change. Research has shown that restoring natural landscapes damaged by human activities can be an effective way to combat the climate crisis while also helping to protect and conserve sensitive species. For example, you know, if 15% of the planet's most degraded areas were restored, this could actually potentially avoid 60% of species' extinctions, while storing 30% of the total carbon dioxide in the atmosphere.
0: Now, this approach requires a huge company-wide rethink. How is Pidge considering nature and biodiversity throughout its entire framework?
3: Great question, Ollie. We are actively thinking about this internally and hope to share more updates in the near future. So again, watch this space and we will be releasing more updated information in the near future.
1: Thanks to Cameron Bain and Cheryl Ng for joining us on this podcast. You can find out more about our HSES policy and climate strategy on our website, Pidge.org.
0: You've been listening to Pidge Pulse. You can find our podcast on all the major platforms. Please like and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm Oli Giu.
1: And I'm Sheikha Votor. Thanks for listening.